Support for Lillo Podcasts comes from listeners like you who are masking up, maintaining social distance, and taking care of one another. Kill, 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 kill. <laughs> kill, kill. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday Groove. I'm your host, David Sunday. If you've been listening, you know I've been on a a spree of Metallica episodes. As always, I'm not alone. I always have a guest, and this time I welcome back friend and podcast amigo, Andy Helene. How are you doing, Andy? Well, I'm amped up for more Metallica. Thanks for having me back, man. Of course, man. This this series was a like it was a lot of back and forth between us, like when we were kind of planning it. So, um, yeah, I, I'm excited to talk to anybody that loves Metallica. There's a lot of people that have moved on or just at least around in my area that not a lot of people that are huge into them. Well, um, they suck. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so normally I do a segment called current spins and I won't, uh, I will this time. I was about to say I won't disappoint. Uh, so, um, Andy, uh, well, and current spins can be anything that we've been currently listening to, old or new stuff. So what have you been listening to, Andy? Basically the stuff we're going to be talking about. Okay. <laughs> uh, but um, I will uh, say at work uh, over the last couple of weeks, I was listening to a lot of uh, Typo Negative. Okay. Um, so, that- so it's basically been Typo Negative and like Metallica and that's it. I've been on like a two track mine instead of a one track. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. You're a drummer, so I should defer to you. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh, that gave me a flashback to high school. Uh the the band director singing the drum parts. Uh some would go bump ba da bump 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 ba da bump bump. And then the other one would go digga digga digga. And it was just ridiculous. Um, it's like, there, it's like, there had to be a better way to explain the drum beat than sing it like that. But yeah, sorry, flashback, nobody, (laughs) (laughs) um, but okay. Yeah. Mostly what I've been listening to has been Metallica, but since I listen to music almost constantly, and sometimes I want something calmer or newer or whatever, um, I finally really got into the walking papers, uh, new single. What did you expect? And it also has a reprise to it, which is pretty cool. Um, it's very slow moving and I don't mean that as a critique at all. It's like, it's, um, just kind of a builder of a song. I think it's really cool that it has ominous piano and a saxophone on it because you don't really hear a saxophone outside of Bruce Springsteen. Um, I think there was one in Dave Matthews band with somebody that played saxophone and then jazz, like you don't really hear a saxophone a lot. So that's pretty cool that they have it on there. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a really um, cool driving uh, beat and just a good song overall. It's just one of those. I, I still struggle to give much <laughs> descriptors beyond that. But I, if you like rock music of any kind, 
and you have an open mind or don't have an open mind, just check it out. It's 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 pretty cool. Um, I know we talked about them uh, on the Black Album episode that um, Andy and I have both seen them live. I, th- I think you've seen them live, haven't you? Uh, yeah, I saw him with Duff McKagan. I think he, That's like, right before he went back with Guns N' Roses, and they did that reunion. So it was kind of cool. Sweet. Yeah, I saw them just a, almost two years ago, and Duff's no longer in the band at that point. But, yeah, they're a fun – they're a really great live band. Um and uh, I cannot wait for this album to come out. Um, so do you have any others? Uh, I know you uh, got the Great Affairs new album. Um, do you want to say anything about it? Oh, yeah. That's like probably the album of 2020 for me. Uh, um, but I think I gave those guys a shout out last time. So I didn't want to like, I don't know if I should overplug them on your show or not. <laughs> I don't mind. It's something you're listening to. And they're a great band. I... um I listened to 10 and 2 not too long ago, but um, mostly in anticipation of this new album because uh, I didn't pre-order it like you did. <laughs> um, i just been listening to Olivia over and over again. Um, um, there's a few songs from uh, the new album um, that might be like streaming on Spotify because they put out something last year around May or June of uh, 2019 and it said 2019 sessions volume one because they were initially going to release more uh, stuff last year but stuff got pushed back for different reasons but uh, there's like three songs I think it was it's all right in the wreckage and a satellite so it was kind of like a single EP whatever you want to call it and okay those are now on uh, the new album so yeah four are out there uh, streaming oh okay uh, yeah, I don't forms. think I listened to Less Good Memory or California yet. I listened to, I know I listened to Headlight Live, that one, when that came out. And like I said, 10 and 2 is the, kind of the other one. But yeah, anyway, but yeah, I've been enjoying them a lot. Um, can, can you describe them for the listeners a little bit? Because I suck at that, and I tried to mention them my last episode, and I really could not describe them. I know they're obviously rock, singer-songwriter stuff, but... Um, I don't know. I think the way they... Uh, they describe it as a little bit of like Tom Petty and like Cheap Trick and yeah, some kind of like uh, singer songwritery stuff. I know that's such like a like a lame generic description, singer songwritery. <laughs> I think that gets right, thrown right. out there a lot. Uh, but if anybody is listening that hasn't listened to them, uh, there's four guys in the band, but two of them sing. So uh, there's Denny Smith, who is the main uh, songwriter and singer and guitar player, but then Kenny, the drummer. He also sings. So so if you're hearing some kind of rougher voice on a few songs, that's him. And uh, so I kind of like how they kind of both add that. I think Denny has the pop side and Kenny's got this kind of like 70s, almost like Rod Stewart-y kind of like sound or swagger that he brings to it. And, I've, and I think on some of the releases they've had together, I think, yeah, I would say Denny is kind of like the pop song guy and the ballad guy but on this new one um they've kind of flipped it because i think denny has more of the rock songs and kenny's got more of like the softer songs which i think is cool that's awesome yeah um that explains so much because when you first mentioned them or first remember you mentioned them years ago i listened to some of this stuff and i remember it sounding different like vocally and that so yeah i didn't realize i had two different things i just thought that denny had changed up his style or something somewhere in there because it's been a while since I listened to the older stuff. Um, but yeah, anyway, that, that does explain a lot, but yeah, I knew I had a Tom Petty vibe. I was feeling, 
Um, but that was about as far as I could really describe it to people. Um, so something very different I've been listening to really just when I need something mellow, if I'm stressing out in the morning, I'm running behind, I want something kind of chill. I throw on the weekends, new album. Um, and oh, I like that one song that's been on the radio. I don't know the name of it, but it's got a cool eighties vibe to it. That's probably in your eyes, I think, um, or blind and lights. It's, uh, one of those two, hmm. um, the whole album has a little bit of an eighties vibe to it, but the, uh, there are some that have more of that, but yeah, I just love, I think it's in your eyes. Um, that's what I'm hearing in my head right now. Um, but there's also one on there called alone again. That's really good. But like, I, I dig the album. I mean, as with any R and B, there's a, <laughs> a lot of, um, profanity and stuff in there. And almost, I, I've always thought was funny with, uh, the weekend. He kind of gets away with a lot of stuff that, uh, rappers do and stuff that you can say some stuff that, probably wouldn't go over so well in other styles, but it's, he's a great singer. Um, and, uh, like I say, I just love the groove of the album and, um, it's been something I keep going back to. I'll have to check out the whole album then. Cause I do like that song. I've heard it on uh, the radio. Yeah. It's it, like I say, I, I think the majority of the album kind of has a little bit of that eighties vibe, but there is a little bit of other stuff on there. Um, the other, thing I've listened to a lot often Owen has been the new uh Bush album. Um have you listened to the uh that album at all? I don't think I've listened to the album since it came out, but I remember uh, um they had a couple like pre release songs. Was it like uh Bullets or something or Flowers on a Grave or something? Uh, like Bullets that? Yeah Bullets has come out really early because it was in John Wick three. That's right. Because the album was originally gonna be released uh in twenty nineteen um, but then they delayed it to 2020, which still sucks because still can't tour it. Um, but, um, but yeah, uh, I think the early releases was, uh, flowers on the grave and, um, and bullet holes. Um, but I've really been digging, uh, well, still flowers on the grave, uh, the kingdom. And, uh, then a ballad I like a lot on it is called undone. And that was pretty cool, but it's a, it's a very heavy, Bush album. Um, and so I go to it from time to time, especially when I'm <laughs> playing my video games, Assassin's Creed, Assassin's Creed and um, work in my music. I, I love some good rock while I'm doing that. And so I think that's all of my current spins. Um, I would do the same thing when I was uh, playing video games, like regularly, like, I would like mute the TV and I'd have the radio going or I'd have a CD going. Uh, so every time I think of like Alice in Chains, I think of playing Duke Nukem or when I think of Duke Nukem, I think of Alice in Chains. They kind of go hand in hand for me for some reason. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. I used to do that in high school. Um, Cause I, I remember uh, listening to reload a lot while I played Goldeneye and mm. um and for some reason, Fixer was the main one I listened to um, on repeat while playing that game. But yeah, it was it was uh, it's been nice uh, with the PS4 and Spotify being able to sync them up. You're able to actually mix it in where you're still here in the game. Oh, um, cool! Because yeah, because I was gonna say that uh, the more advanced games got, um, you actually had to listen to the game because there'd be like noises in the game or people talking to you, and it's like mm-hmm. if you got it muted, you're gonna end up getting shot or something because you're not. Um, hearing something else that's going on in the background. 
Right. Yeah. You have to mix it in perfectly. You turn the video game music off and then like mix the dialogue up high enough because yeah, like Assassin's Creed, somebody will sneak up behind you and kill you or you're running around and a wild animal will attack you. <laughs> in that game and uh, I was replaying Far Cry 3 and the same thing happened because uh, there's a lot of wildlife and very aggressive wildlife in that game. And I kept getting killed. And I'm like, okay, got to mix mix this in a little better. But yeah, it's it's cool that you're that you're able to do that these days because um, I love music, but I don't really sit here and just listen to music anymore. And right now, I'm not driving a whole lot, so um, it's just a nice way for me to experience music still. Um, so, do you have any other current spins? Anything? No, man, I'm ready. I'm ready for Metallica, dude. That's all I've been really, um, I guess, like consuming lately. Understandable. I mean, mainly what I've consumed in the, yeah, like the last, oh gosh, the last few months has been uh, Metallica, uh, especially. Uh, well, we could do a quick uh, hit of uh, SM2 uh, real quick. Not, nothing too deep. Um, I, I think you enjoyed that a lot, didn't you? Yeah, um, I got. The vinyl edition of it, and I got the Blu-ray. Like, I pre-ordered them when they went up. And then I ended up getting them a couple days early, in fact. But um, what I wanted to do was I wanted to hold off on those because uh, I had planned to watch uh, the video with a buddy of mine. Uh, but our kind of plans fell through, so I held off for like a week on it. And it was worth the wait. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, as you know, I was late because I remember uh, – was Instagramming out my footage the night I started watching. I was watching it on Labor Day. Um, I had listened to most of it by that point, but I hadn't watched the video. Um, but uh, I, I, there's a lot of t- cool stuff on there. They threw some new uh, flair to No Leaf Clover, which was cool. Uh, so it wasn't exactly the same. Unforgiven 3 was incredible. Yeah. Uh, uh, just hearing his emotional vocals, like it even almost looked like he teared up at the end of it. Like he really got into it and probably put the most, um, I don't know, soulful kind of singing he'd ever done, at least that I'd heard in a long time uh, on that one. I almost kind of felt nervous for him at first because uh, the band, or I mean, not the band, but the symphony, like they're playing the intro and he's just kind of standing there waiting. And I'm like, that would almost be kind of nervous because what if you came in at the wrong spot or something? Or it would have exactly. to be – or it's like you, like just your vocals carrying it. There's nobody else in your band up there. So I think at that point, you know, you've been playing with your band for like 40 years. You're used to being on stage with them, and now they're not there. Right. One, you're used to holding a guitar, and that's something you do with your hands because you could tell he yeah. didn't know it with his hands. Like he'd put them behind himself. He'd put them in front of himself. felt totally like me whenever I've – been singing before I either uh want to grip the mic or um and or don't really know what I want to do um so that was pretty cool uh all within my hands was incredible again hearing uh a new version of that um and that's really I mean like there's a lot of good stuff on there but that's the standout ones to me the ones I listen to over and over again Oh uh, yeah, I liked uh, the four that came out in advance. What were they? All within my hands. Um, the nothing else matters. There was uh, the moth into the flame. I think. Mm-hmm. It was. And then I think there was a fourth one. Maybe. Uh, I don't remember uh, what the fourth. For whom one. the bell tolls. Yeah. Was, yeah. Um. 
But I liked how with this like S and M, they're kind of doing the same thing again. But yeah, they did it differently. Like you're saying, they kind of changed some things, but they also, um, uh, they also added in like confusion from Hardwired, and they mm-hmm. added the day that never comes uh, from uh, the album we're going to talk about, um, uh, Death Magnetic. But what about uh, the pulling teeth anesthesia? I thought that was cool. That was really cool because that's a song I've not listened to a ton um and totally forgot about so hearing it again or hearing you know hearing it was awesome and it was really cool they let the um classical bassist do the do that part yeah it's like they flipped some stuff too because they even played along with the uh, symphony on a classical piece so i kind of liked how they did kind of change some stuff so it wasn't just the same thing over again right he got something new yeah because when i saw a lot of the track list was the same as the original i was just like ah we should varied it up a little more, but but it it was really good. It's definitely worth um worth checking out. Um, yeah, for sure. So yeah, so that I just wanted to throw a quick shout out to that because that is definitely something I've been spending a lot. Um, mixture of video and sometimes just the audio on my phone through my good headset. Um, but the main event of this episode is another episode of Metallica. So we'll catch up. Um, like I said, there might be an episode in between this and it might not be whatever. Um, but uh, basically after the first S and M, which was in 99 uh, Metallica released a song for the mission impossible Two soundtrack. And I think that was in 2000. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I remember watching that song. I disappear on MTV all the time. Like I would, um, always make sure I was watching TRL uh, because it was briefly on TRL um, for a little while. And uh, yeah, I just remember being so excited every time I saw it. And it was just cool having Metallica <laughs> on TRL because at that point, pretty much everything you were getting was Backstreet Boys, uh, Britney Spears, and uh, Christina Aguilera, that kind of stuff. So it was it was cool to see Metallica in there with that. I think you might have gotten some uh, Fred Durst every once in a while. <laughs> Oh God! Yeah, yes, yes. Occasionally, he would work his way in there. But I bet was, you were trying to forget about that, and then here I go, just putting it right in your in your head. No, you know the thing is, I think we had this discussion offline. I don't hate um, Limp Biscuit. I hate a lot of their stuff, but I don't hate Limp Biscuit. Uh, they have some stuff I don't mind, and at the time, I loved it. So, um, not enough to buy, but enough to listen to anytime I get a chance. Yeah, see, because I think I think we might have talked about that before, or at least a Kid Rock, like American <laughs> Badass. Because I think um, it was another thing, like Kid Rock having some songs in wrestling. They use uh, some Limp Biscuit songs in wrestling, so it just annoyed me because I would hear it on the radio. Then I'd watch wrestling, and there's Limp Biscuit, so it was like I couldn't get away from it. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely not in that er- area. Um, oh, one last r- random current spins out. Didn't mean to leave out. Uh, did you hear the uh, Seven Dust cover of "The Day I Tried to Live"? Oh yeah, yeah, I did. That hear was that. so much better than I expected it to be. Like, I was very glad um, that they focused on trying to catch the vibe of the song and Lejean just using a good singing voice and not doing any screams in it. Um, sorry, I accidentally scrolled back on my photos and saw where I'd screenshot that, and I'm like, oh, I meant to talk about that. But yeah, anyway. If you're a Soundgarden fan, check that out. 
Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, I disappear. So sadly, the last song that uh, Jason Newstead played on with them, um, and it was just wasn't amazing, but it was a good song. It was a fun song. Um, I agree. It almost kind of has like a fuel kind of like like vibe, where it's just kind of like that fast, um, you know, headbanging, like a really fast like song. But um, I remember one thing about that is I bought the CD single of it. Did you have that or did you just uh, stick with the video? I um, My brother bought the whole soundtrack, so I, I recorded it onto cassette tape and listened to it over and over again because I thought that um, <laughs> Lip Biscuit doing um, the Mission Impossible theme song, I thought that was so badass, so I had that on there. And so I pretty much listened to that, and uh, I disappear a lot. Um yeah, I, I did end up getting uh, the soundtrack too. But yeah, but I had the CD single and I thought it was so cool. I wish I still had it because for some reason it was a black CD. Hmm. And I think like for video games, didn't they kind of do that too with like PlayStation games? They were like black, but I had never seen that before. I don't know. I didn't, have, I didn't have PlayStation until PlayStation 2 um, way after the fact. Um Maybe but yeah, I'm I, misremembering I the, the video game stuff, but I just remember the CD being black. Hmm. Yeah, I never saw the single. I just, like I said, my brother luckily bought the soundtrack. So as I often did at that time was I just um, recorded on cassette so I could listen to it because he was working. I was not. He's older. So um, he definitely had more money to spend and I did not. Uh, but yeah, uh, so that was a it was a cool song. And then like I don't haven't actually recently watched any history of what happened after that leading up to um were they still touring much after that point because you know they'd done garage inc then snm then they had that single did they tour for any of that stuff um, i remember 2000 yeah when that song came out uh that's kind of around the time where yeah i was really getting into bands and some of the stuff we've talked about and they had a summer sanitarium tour in 2000 where they were playing like some stadiums and like racetracks and stuff. And I remember that they were playing somewhere around St. Louis and somewhere in Illinois. And I was 16 at the time and I hadn't been to a concert and I didn't even know if I'd ever go to a concert at the time, but I thought, Oh my God, this would be so cool if I saw the summer sanitarium. Cause the lineup was Metallica, Kid Rock and Corn, and Power Man 5000 and System of a Down. Oh, wow. Okay. And those were all kind of bands I was kind of into at the time, or I was, and they were all on the radio. And I just thought that would have been like the ultimate, like, you know, badass concert, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't go, but they did show when they were doing the like Metallica Mondays for uh, the spring and summer, they've just ended that, but uh, they would show old concerts on YouTube and they did show one. Uh, from some point in the Summer Sanitarium tour, uh, they had one of those shows, and they did do I Disappear um, live. So they probably only did it just on that summer run. But it was kind of right. cool that they at least played it. Oh, yeah. And so, like, I don't remember knowing a lot um, after that. Like, I remember hearing that song, and I talked in the last episode of how I still wasn't able to keep up with music the way I am today just because um, I didn't have the internet yet at home and didn't really – the only music magazines I had was occasional drummer magazines um, hmm. that I ordered like a year subscription to, I think. So um, uh, some things would catch me off guard, but like I remember, and well, I'll throw this caveat on there too. 
y'all know I talk mostly positive on this episode or most this show, but obviously um, what comes next, I'm going to talk a little trash occasionally, but I love Metallica. And, Let it out, David. Um, Let it out. Like, I feel and, like uh, <laughs> the emperor or something. <laughs> yes, give like, in to the dark side. <laughs> yeah, so, like, I was following in college as best I could the lead up to St. Anger, and I remember MTV Icon. Um, did you watch that? Um, they did the MTV Icon episode on them? I Oh, man. you Dang, that's like a blast from the past because I – Barely remember the Metallica one, but I remember another one later on with like The Cure, and they had Corn on there, and I thought that was cool. But oh, sweet! Well, the the Metallica one was bizarre because um, I mean I know some Forty One likes metal, and they do occasional do some metal, but they're more of a punk band. But they uh, did kind of a medley of Metallica. <laughs> Unfortunately, Avril Lavigne did Fuel. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was so stupid. Um, then Limp Biscuit did Sanitarium and I'm trying to remember who else played on it. Um, but anyway, it was pretty cool at the time. I remember I recorded on VHS, so that's why I remember it more because I watched it several times. And so like, you know, they would show the band reacting, um, throughout it and they would, you know, announce stuff from their history. But like, of course, the whole thing we were waiting for was to close it out. They did a medley and, I think it was all just um, kind of like samples from St. Anger. And like here in brief moments from St. Anger sounded awesome. And I remember Frantic was the main one. Um, and yes, yeah, so I just remember listening to that over and over again, watching that part and like, man, I cannot wait for this album. And yeah, I, I didn't know about the um, drama behind it for sure until way later. Um, but I definitely remember buying the album when it, the week it came out and being very, very excited and thinking I loved it for about a week or so. And then my feelings started to change a little bit. Um, how, how was your like, did you like you, how was your lead up to it? Do you remember anticipating it? Did you know much about it before it came out? Um, How, how you were just talking and sorry, I think I interrupted you. Uh, you were talking about how, around like I disappear you didn't know you kind of were like in a limbo or something with them like uh I think for me yeah, in in 2000 that's when I was like super super into them was like 2000 and stuff and then like I remember all the Napster stuff happened and so people were like turning their back on them and like oh Metallica you know, blah, blah, blah. so I was hearing all this backlash against them, and I was like, "Like, well, I still like them." But then, once the Saint Anger stuff happened, uh, it was kind of hard to like defend them, right? Because uh, I remember that summer in '03 when the album came out, I was working at, I had just started uh, that year at uh, on this radio station in town, like 99X, and I was an intern. And I know there were a few CDs that somehow, um, I think uh, the promotion office had like the uh, a cold uh, CD and the Marilyn Manson one. They had those on a Friday. So I remember listening to those that weekend and then they didn't come out till like Tuesday, you know, because they used to put out albums on Tuesdays. Um, right. And, uh, so like I remember that those were ones I heard early and I can't remember... If I heard the Metallica Saint Anger one early, 
but I do know that like um I did buy the album and then I instantly like uh traded it back in. I'm like, I gotta get rid of this. <laughs> um I think I watched the DVD more than I did the uh listen to the album because I did think it was pretty cool that it came with the full length DVD of them recording it in their studio or in their um headquarters or whatever. Did you ever watch that? Um I did watch that and I have since like I think I bought a used copy last fall when one of my friends was having a rock and roll garage sale selling CDs and stuff. So I picked it up again just kind of to be a completist to have it, but um I don't know if I've actually watched it again. Oh, I know I haven't since college days, but um I do remember watching that a lot on my brother's PlayStation 2 because we didn't have a DVD player yet, so that was kind of a big deal. Um, but uh, So, like, I was in such a hurry to go get it, um, I went and bought it at Walmart. And, like, I knew it said it was edited, but I was thinking, okay, I mean, you know, they were able to sneak things onto fuel and – or on fuel, uh, load and some uh, others that had not been parent advisory. Like, the only ones that were parent advisories for – Metallica at that point had just been Garage Inc. and S&M, but I didn't know how much was going to be edited, and I didn't know how crappily edited it was going to be. So I was telling Andy this like through text the other day, uh, or asking him anyway. Um, they were so lazy, and I'm not going to say it was Metallica's fault. I'm sure it's the um, management or the production company, whatever, or, or their label. But they didn't even bother to um, have them say different things in place of F-bombs, they just it out. <laughs> like, I can't do a good version of it, but it was just like a on top of it. Um, and so, it all and no regrets. And was, so, like, I know to this day, whenever Greg and I reference that album, we'll sing that version. Well, like, we'll do the edited version because it's just so ridiculous. But, um... Oh, my God, you're just reminding me of something from back then. Um... <laughs> Uh, like Shine Down, that's when like that same summer too they put out their first album, mm-hmm. and there was that song like Forty Five on there. Well, uh, that was one uh, that I got. I think I picked up that CD from the uh, radio station, like promo copy. But when they finally, I think it was the next year in '04, they finally put out uh, the Forty Five song as a single, and. On the radio, it was the same. And then on the CD, it was the same. So, like, I didn't know they did this until I saw the video. But they beeped out uh, some of that 45 song that same way. And my sister and I would laugh about that for, like, the longest time because it was like like they would mute his vocals at one point. And I think it was like uh, they beeped out the – it was like staring down the – so they beeped a out barrel. the barrel of a yeah. five or something. So they <laughs> beeped out like one of the, I think right. forty. So it was just five. So we would just. But they go. were like they were erasing it though, right? Like they weren't actually making a sound over it. Like uh, no, like it was it was just muted. So they would mute right, barrel right. and forty, and it was just funny. Right. <laughs> oh, that is yeah. I pr- always preferred that version, and I never have understood because actually, sorry to backtrack just for just a second. Garage Inc. They did a different technique on the second disc that has a lot of F-bombs on it. They just made a beep sound, like just an electronic beep. Oh, okay. And that was very annoying, but not as annoying as the <laughs> sound. Um, 
<laughs> but yeah, I remember regretting so bad that I did not uh, drive to Montgomery and get um, the, the Parent Advisory version. Because whereas I still didn't love the album, it was very distracting to hear that sound over any time they cussed. And that's definitely the album they cussed the most on, other than maybe S&M, um, uh, just any of their live stuff. Especially back in James drinking days, he would <laughs> throw in f bombs on a lot of songs. But yeah, so like I remember, like I said, I couldn't wait, and I didn't expect it to be that poorly edited. But yeah, uh, Metallica's label, I, I have issues with you. Two albums I bought of yours were <laughs> poor, very poorly um, edited, and I'm like, well, there's other, you know, as you mentioned, the sound uh, shine down. Um, oh, sorry to go down the rabbit hole even more, but you just reminded me of something else. Okay, uh, yeah. Like when I was, yeah, I was working at the radio station. I was interned. Then I got hired on and they moved to buildings. So they had to transfer their like, like library of music because they had this music digital files or whatever. But uh, when they moved to the new building, they were going to have a new, whole new like system, computer system. So like a few nights, my boss wanted me to go through and basically like, you know how you rip a CD? Mm-hmm. I was basically ripping like CDs of songs into the music library, basically the same way you would just stick the CD in and rip it into a folder. And that would save the songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, some of them like how they were edited, but in the past you would have gotten the CD single from the, like, I guess the label and it would have been uh, the radio edit. So it already would have had the edited, like, you know, expletives that we're talking about. Right. Well, what my boss wanted me to do, was he said, open up uh, the song and like cool edit the program we had. And he said, uh, just kind of highlight the song and hit reverse. So it would go or something. So, so when you're listening to the song and it got to like, I don't know, the F word, it would be. Right. <laughs> so that's even do... less annoying than just a beep or something. Right. too. <laughs> there was so much better. There'd been so many better ways of doing it for years at that point. I mean, there were definitely, I mean, Kid Rock is a prime example of ways they would edit stuff out. Um, I mean, oh gosh, what song was it? There was some uh, Everlast. Um, they would beep out anything about drug use, like an ounce of weed or that was a different song, but like, uh, that was Nelly. Nelly, it was uh, uh, Ride With Me. Uh, I remember them blanking out any weed reference and like, so mm-hmm. ounce and a few things like that um, were, were uh, just blanked out. So like, there's, there's better ways out yeah. there. I, I just will never understand a beep and a er sound. <laughs> Maybe the beep best the example one. is corn. They were that summer too, I think. And they had y'all want a single and they had the album <laughs> version with the F word, but then it was the radio one that I actually preferred. Y'all want a single say suck that. So, so the band actually just said suck instead of that so they could have two versions, I guess? Yeah. Okay, yeah. See, that's the same thing Breaking Benjamin did on their um, first album, We Are Not – or no, second album, We Are Not Alone, hmm. was they would um, say mess or whatever. Like they would just overdub that, and it was the lead singer. It didn't sound like somebody else. It wasn't anybody else's voice, which would have been lame. Um, so there were plenty of ways out there. That was a little bit later. but Yeah, Metallica, uh, just lazy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so – the album, as anybody that knows has listened to the album, it sucks. Like, it is um, one of the worst ideas, uh, the way they did a lot of this stuff. And I, I know Andy has not watched the documentary. I'm sure he's aware of a lot of uh, some kind of monster, the documentary. But um, 
really, I think they should have just pushed the album a couple years down the road until they were all in better places. Um, Cause James had just gotten out of rehab and they were just not at a good point in their career where they could get along at least Lars and James, um, which has always kind of been a little bit of an issue, but um, it definitely hit the largest steam at that point. So I think that had a lot to do with it too. Like James recording for shorter amounts of time every day and um, Lars taking very big issue with that. And then also they had a band therapist, which was a good <laughs> idea and it was helpful in some situations, but other times I didn't know that he did the best job helping. Hmm. Um, but yeah. And, and the fact that they had decided to film all of it, you know, that kind of makes things a little awkward too, I'd imagine. Um, when you know there's footage of this that might come out. Um, but yeah, there's just a lot of drama that happened on it. So I don't blame everything. Uh, I mean, I guess I still blame them for it, but I, I, <laughs> I think the album could have been a lot better if they'd waited a while. But um, Yeah, because I yeah. want to watch that, I guess, but then I kind of don't because at that point in time, Metallica, they were like my favorite band, period. And it's like, mm-hmm. I didn't really like the album. So I'm like, I don't want to see this movie. I don't want to like have them in even worse of a light than I already think of them, you know? So right. I don't know. Like now, like it's like almost like what, 17 years removed from that. So it might just be funny to watch it. I might, I might get a kick out of it now, but then it was almost well, I, like, I don't know. I yeah. didn't want to watch it. Yeah. Oh, I understand um, me. I'm just a completionist. If I have it available, I'm going to watch it. Um, and so I remember whenever I was able to watch it, I, get, I don't know if I rented it or how I got it or I've gotten a bootleg. Um, I probably shouldn't say bootleg so many times on here, but anyway, whatever I watched it. And I remember at some point it was on Netflix. Knock, knock. David later. Sunday. Do you have, do you have <laughs> bootlegs in your house? <laughs> like the FBI's oh. on. <laughs> yeah, the FBI is my biggest fan of this epi- uh, of my podcast. I didn't know. Crap. Um, but anyway, yes, yeah, so some kind of monster. Like I think it's worth watching. Um, I mean, there's definitely drama there, but I, to me, I I appreciate it because I, any band goes through drama, and heck, any friendships, like the long-term friendships, there's going to be arguments. So like, I almost identify pretty well with some of the stuff. I mean, there's some of the stuff you're just like, come on, y'all are being kids. But I mean, I think we've all had those days where we're tired and we're more emotional and say stupid crap and pick fights over stuff that doesn't matter. Um, but I, I don't know. I like it. I bought it recently. I'm going to rewatch it. But um, yeah, I, I, it definitely could could taint your opinion on Lars and James a little bit. I think Kirk was pretty well behaved, um, and Jason had sadly left the band um, prior to this, so he's nowhere around. And good old Bob Rock is playing bass and thinking he's a full member, not just the producer. Here's something I thought of recently um, is that, uh, you know how people say like injustice for all that needs more bass that needs bass and justice for Jason and stuff. Well, even if you would add the bass or without the bass, it's still a good album. They're still good songs. Mm -hmm. But then with St. Anger, if you did tweak the drums and you didn't have the awful snare sound, they'd still be bad songs. Mm -hmm. So yeah, like it's it's just like the opposite of in um injustice for all because the foundation was the good songs. It's like it doesn't matter what the drum sound is because I don't know they're still not good songs. It would I be less like. a 
No, I, I, I perfectly agree. I would be able to listen to it a little bit more with better sound and drum drums, just because I'm a drummer and I cannot stand that sound. It just, it distracts from the song so bad. Um, and it didn't help the fact that he, I wrote it down actually in my notes. Um, I actually, one of the few songs I liked from the get go and I'm, uh, for about three minutes of it was all within my hands. Like I always thought that was a pretty cool song, but he is doing so much overly busy bass drum work and that horrible snare sound that it really makes it hard to listen to. But like, I still always thought that was a pretty cool, uh, lyrically. I thought it was a pretty cool song for about three minutes. Um, uh, but, um, there was another one that, uh, I listened to this week that I actually liked off of it. Well, I say liked in, in comparison to the rest. <laughs> um, I liked uh, the unnamed feeling. I yes, thought that was a pretty yeah. cool way of James kind of coming to grips with his depression. And I think that was a big part of his alcohol addiction was um, just a lot of depression he had dealt with throughout his life of losing his mom and everything. And um, so there was just a, I thought that had really cool lyrics in an album full of bad lyrics um, in most of the songs. Um, that I, one stood out to me. I really like that song, but if you would stop it a little bit early, because then there's that part where he's like, I, I hate, I want to, I don't know. It's like, <laughs> it's kind of cringy. Like, you know, that part at the end, I don't know. I'm not even doing it justice because I can't sing and I don't remember some of the lyrics, but like, I don't know. Like, I'm just like, uh, some of those songs, See, some of those songs would be good if they had done them, like how you were even saying, all within my hands. Like if it was three minutes long or something, or kind of like shoot me again. If those <laughs> were all kind of like shorter. But I think that, I don't know, maybe like we got to go longer because our other albums had shorter songs. Reload and Load were shorter. So let's do them longer. But it's like, no, it doesn't always have to be long to be a good song. You can do a short song. Well, yeah, if you're good. especially if you're going to take away the guitar solo, like the guitar solo is a big reason why the 80s songs are so long because, you know, they would do the breakdown and it'd be like a minute and a half of like kind of like classical metal in the middle of the song and like a long guitar solo and stuff. So you could understand why the songs were eight minutes long. But when all you're doing is just down tuning and using different effects and Lars is doing crazy stuff on the drums, like, they don't need to be longer than three or four minutes. And yeah. if they were trying to be like everybody else, which they were to some degree um, by using that crazy tuning, then be like everybody else do five minute songs, three minute songs, whatever that might could have been a little better, but yeah, it was just ridiculous. And um, one last comment to the, as I saw this uh, footage uh, recently on a couple of YouTube clips I watched, um, uh, <laughs> Lars was calling uh, James's uh, guitar riffs stock, and uh, and he said that's the reason why he was doing such crazy drum things because I'm trying to make it interesting, um, and <laughs> and that was of course when they're about to get into a major argument, but it was just kind of funny. It's just like, well, you're playing it so stock, so I have to add stuff. I'm like, no, you don't, dude. Just <laughs> just play the beat, like play the rhythm. Um, I like creativity, but that it didn't even keep the beat on several of the songs. Um, <laughs> it really didn't like, it is so tough to listen to as a drummer. Um, several of the songs, it's like, what are you doing? So yeah, I, I um, 
I occasionally go back to the album just to kind of get a chuckle. Um, and I love the fact that they've reclaimed all within my hands by doing first the acoustic version at a bridge uh, school benefit years ago. And then of course, S and M uh, too, they did the version, but like, other than that, I, I understand why they've just pretty much don't ever play songs from it. I think Sweet oh. Amber um, could kind of benefit from maybe some of the All Within My Hands treatment, but it <laughs> almost kind of might be the same. So they're like, well, we already did this with All Within My Hands. So like, do we do it again with like Sweet Amber or something? But right. I don't know, because there are a few good ones at that uh, back end of the album. But. Right. Yeah, I liked Sweet Amber back in the day, too. Um, the other th- issue I have with it is I don't know if it what it was from. His vocals sound worse than they ever have. Um, so I don't know why that was, but like that's the other reason why I think maybe if they pushed the album a little longer, that could have been helpful. Because I don't know if he'd blown out his vocals uh, or if he just didn't have them in shape anymore. And I don't, I don't really know what the issue was, but it definitely, it's the worst vocal performances you'll find unless you find some, maybe some poor concert footage down the line somewhere. Um, so yeah, it's, it's no surprise to anybody. It's a crappy album. The last song I want to po- poke fun at a little bit is Purify. <laughs> that song is so all over the place and the lyrics are probably the worst other than maybe Invisible Kid. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when you, uh, Invisible Kid got stuck where he hid, um, never knew what he did, falling through the grid or something like that. that. That's definitely some of the lyrics. I might be skipping some, but like, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, but I guess that's probably enough crap on there. I, I will, I, I, I was, it was perfect that this episode was going to be recorded this week. I was, came across my Facebook memories thing where I, when death magnetic had just come out, cause actually death magnetic just came out 12 years ago. Uh, I think that's right. Yeah. Uh, 2008. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we just passed the 12 year anniversary of it. So I had trying to be funny. I had posted, let me just look real quick so I can say it correctly. Um, Actually, I think I put it on here. And sadly, didn't get a lot of, um, I think most people knew I was joking or didn't know how to respond. But I said, St. Anger was such a better album than Death Magnetic. It had everything you could ask for. The lack of guitar solos and the addition of tin can drums. (laughs) So I I really wonder if anybody back when I posted that, they thought I was being serious. Um, and didn't like Death Magnetic. Um, but um, do you have any other thing you want to say about uh, Sun Anger before we move on? Um, I will say this. Um, I got to see them on the Madly and Anger in the World Tour, and that's the only time I ever got to see them, and it was 2004, and they played Peoria. And I went with my sister and my girlfriend at the time, and, uh, and like Godsmack opened, and like Godsmack oh. was like awesome, and I remember yeah. that being so cool. Uh, but then I really don't remember a whole lot about Metallica, and I don't know why I don't remember a whole lot of that show. But all that really stands out about Metallica's performance to me is that they took kind of a longer. Usually, there's like a half hour between bands or whatever, but this time seemed even longer. And then they came out 
and they finally came out and they were doing frantic and I think like St. Anger on that tour and they were totally mixing up their set list like every night. And if you go back and look on the set list website, they are, they were mixing it up a lot. Well, then they said, Hey, just for Peoria, we're going to do the live debut of some kind of monster. And it's like, <laughs> Oh God, as if I didn't like, I didn't hate that album already. Now we're getting a third song from this album. And I think that that's why they said they took a longer uh, intermission was to kind of like, I guess, practice that song a little bit more. It's like, <laughs> God, no. Why Why did you have to do the NPR? The only time I've ever seen you. And you did like three songs. So what did they do? Frantics and Anger and then Some Kind of Monster? Yeah. Uh. Um, but I do remember from that show... They did like No Leaf Clover. So so oh. they still did like a little bit more from the reload load era. That's cool. Yeah. Um I've always loved that. And I know Greg and I recently, or maybe it was Russell, Greg and I, I can't remember who exactly said it. We really wish they had recorded just a studio version just so it could hear what it would sound like without the as much as I love the orchestra in it, I would just love to hear what it would sound like without it. Yeah. Um, it, or even like Minus Human. I kinda like that mm-hmm. one too. Yeah, I love Minus Human. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that's pretty crazy. I, most of the footage I saw, I looked at a lot of set list from the time around the St. Anger tour and it was pretty funny, not far into it. They stopped playing, but like St. Anger, just that song was pretty much the only one that lived very long on that tour. Cause I think they were just tired of getting negative responses or no responses to, yeah. <laughs> to the songs. And it's like, let's just play the stuff people want to hear. Uh, we ha- we're obligated to play St. Anger because uh, we're trying to promote this album, but let's not make them, you know, let's not waste their time with songs they don't want to hear. I really would love to meet somebody that actually likes that Anger. That'd be interesting. I, I never have. Um, but I've always been a little bit of a St. Anger apologist because of certain moments. And I think I still just a soft part in my heart. Um, I, I feel for James, the fact that he was going through a lot. And like I said, he wasn't ready. Um, to record it so like i i know he was trying um his best but just wasn't cutting it um so we're about to talk about something that's far different feel and i know i went on longer than i meant to about saying anger i just it's fun to talk about and i've always been positive on this ep- on this show but i just wanted to be real um <laughs> so but before we get to uh death magnetic i want to take a quick break don't go anywhere we'll be right back thanks for coming back to sunday groove part two uh there'll probably just be a little music there that you just heard but um just had a little break um so we talked about a little bit of the lead up to saint anger then the horrible album that was saint anger so um, Death Magnetic came next, and I don't remember if I knew a ton leading up to Death Magnetic as far as like its production, but like I knew they were working on stuff. And <clears throat> my biggest memory about it was that for a while they were putting out like a new song every week or something. Do you remember that, Andy? I don't remember that, but I remember. I think it might be Death Magnetic. I don't think it was Hardwired, but they did like a music video for every song or something. Was that Death Magnetic? I don't know. I don't remember the videos. It might might be, but I just remember that I had no impulse control on it, and I was listening to 
at that point, six songs out of the 10, you could hear on iTunes or somewhere for free. Hmm. And so like, I was just listening to it over and over again. And I'm finally like, you need to take a break. Cause like when you get the CD, you only have four new songs to get obsessed with. Um, <clears throat> I mean, you'll be able to hear it on better speakers. Cause I was just listening to it on my crappy laptop speakers, but still like I, I was definitely all in for death magnetic. Like I, I don't remember as many lead-ups to it like the MTV icon thing, but there was definitely like such a, I was so stoked for it and um, definitely was hoping it was a return to form. And obviously as we'll talk in length about, it definitely was. Um, it was definitely the step back they needed. Um, what do you remember? I, I know I kind of asked this, but do you remember much lead up to it or your first reception to the album? I don't remember much about the lead up because in the five years between I kind of super got into this band called dream theater. And like oh, one of my yeah. buddies that I met in community college was like, Hey, if you like Metallica and you like rush and you like tool, you'd like dream theater. And in like Oh three, when Metallica put out St. Anger, uh, dream theater was more of like a progressive band. Uh, but their Oh three album, I think it was train of thought that was like super, super heavy. So it kind of filled the void that I guess Metallica kind of let me down. So then dream theater kind of took over and they became maybe like at the top of what I would listen to. Like maybe my favorite, a pseudo favorite in that, uh, in that period. But I do remember, uh, death magnetic was supposed to come out in 08. And I was like, oh, okay, they got a new album coming out. This should be cool. But uh, I have some poster uh, somewhere that I think I might have got from uh, the record store co-op in town. And it says uh, September, I think it was September 12, 2018, uh, The Earth Gets Louder. And then it has a Metallica logo. So that's the only thing I remember in advance of the album was getting this little piece of paper that's kind of like a mini poster. (laughs) Well, I remember it was... um during a time where I was, I think I was still doing music reviews at that point for the school paper in college. And I remember getting very excited to be able to talk about it for that reason, but also just, of course, just wanted to hear it. Uh, I guess my go-to band in between, I mean, I did listen to a lot more of the classic albums, I think during that time, just since we didn't have new good Metallica. Um, I think that was when I went back and listened to more master and um, maybe injustice for all in that time frame, um, But I, that was when I got, I guess, fell for Foo Fighters and got like where I followed them nonstop, um, which I still do. Uh, <laughs> that's where I, I've said in the past, like uh, Metallica was my favorite band for the longest time. I'd still say they're probably in the top three. Like it's probably Foo Fighters, Metallica, and uh, Alter Bridge. Like that's probably the three I follow the closest. But um, not to give away one of my topics I could do in the future. Um, but no, but, uh, definitely, I think that I kind of filled in it with, um, Foo Fighters, um, during that time period. So I don't remember being tons aware of it until like right when, I, when it was like, maybe, maybe like a month before when it, whatever it was, they started releasing songs and yeah, I was so super stoked and went and got it the day it came out. And luckily this was one, uh, that didn't have an advisor on it. So I didn't have to worry about getting it. From um, I don't, well, actually, I don't know if I got it on Amazon or if I got it on at Walmart. But um, yeah, this one doesn't have a parent advisor. I don't think there's is there any profanity on this album? 
I don't know. Um, I, don't, I haven't noticed it if there is. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of dark talk, but I don't think there's profanity. Or maybe the CD uh, that you have. Do you have the, I guess, Digipack that they call it where it folds out? Uh, or is yours in like the jewel case? Mine was a jewel case because mine had the really cool booklet that like has all the holes in them, the coffin holes. Oh, okay, because mine is the Digipack and it has the little coffin like die cut things. But um, I didn't know if the jewel case has that or not. But mine's like, yeah, it folds out. But does yours actually have holes cut in? Yeah, yeah, it's got holes okay. cut in, but it's cut in like the cardboard. And then the book's like, <laughs> I guess, glued in there. But like, I weird. Okay. I was going to say maybe that's why, because mine is like this, a cardboard thing. So they wouldn't have a parental advisory on there. It would have been on the shrink wrap and I would have thrown that away like 12 years ago. Right. Um, so, yeah, I think that was kind of a, a, a cool step back that they, I mean, I don't care whether people bands cuss or not, but it's just one of those things. It's kind of, I think some, some bands use it as a crutch and overly curse just yeah. to either be cool or because um, they don't know what to say. Um, but um, we used to make the joke when I'd go see concerts and they would say the F-bomb like every other word. It's like he's either really excited or he's trying too hard to be cool. Um but anyway, I don't mean to go off on that tangent. Uh, <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> but um, so Death Magnetic, like it starts strong and finishes strong. Like um, I, I don't think I dis. Actually, I know I don't dislike a single song on the album. Um, I didn't realize something. Actually, sorry to cut you off. Until just yeah. now, looking at the CD, that the D and the C at the end of Death Magnetic, they're supposed to be magnets. Let me pull that up with the image to see if it, I can see that on – I don't have the physical one in my hand because um, I've actually misplaced the CD copy. I've just been listening through my phone. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, because the D is basically just the C flip, but they look like little magnets. Yeah, they do. And that explains even more of the – magnetized um kind of like etch a sketch thing around the coffin hole yeah that's cool wow just learned something new today hey like uh, sunday groove is fun and educational <laughs> <laughs> so i um i'm gonna briefly reference it just because i just watched all but like the last 20 minutes of it um, there's a really cool um behind the scenes making of this album and it's not like your typical um like documentary properly done or anything it's just uh, them filming a lot of it and editing some of it together but it's it's pretty cool um and uh for anybody out there that hates lars and i mean i'll even call him a douche occasionally um he's not being a douche at all on this like he seemed like he was a really important part of it like he was uh, almost as important as james in some parts as far as like figuring things out um so i think it's Pretty cool to watch because um, uh, they were obviously getting along again. I want to check but that yeah. out because you told me about that, but I just didn't get a chance. Yeah, there's that version and there's another one that's longer, so it might be less edited together. But um, but I, I like the version I saw because it was pretty much behind the scenes on 
a lot of the songs and then kind of like even like the early names of some of the songs um as they would evolve um I'm curious about the longer version, but after sitting through almost two hours of this, I doubt I'm going to go watch the four-hour version. <laughs> but I am happy that one actually might be uploaded by the band. I'm not sure if it's like um, breaking any infringement things being on there, but I was happy to find that on there. I'm going to finish it at some point. But I digress once again, as I often do. Um, so the, it started really cool, really strong with That Was Just Your Life. It has that whole little heartbeat intro. Um um, is that a song you like very much? Dude, I basically like the whole album, except okay. for like the tail end. I'm kind of like, eh, okay. But yeah, it starts off just so strong and like in your face. Yeah, those first two flow, actually those first three flow so beautifully into each other um, and so aggressive. Um, yeah, the sequencing, I guess, how they, yeah, put those tracks in that order, it flows really well, I guess. I think it's called sequencing. I, yeah, it is. Um, yeah, and it, it, I think it was, well, obviously it was intentional. It was very intentional, I think, because they were trying to show they were a return to thrash. So those first three are pretty thrashy. I mean, they still have more melody than probably, uh, at least, the Injustice from All songs do. But um, they all have solos. They all have a lot of just intense, intense drumming and everything. And so those first three tracks are so aggressive of them. You know, they do the, the, the day that never comes afterwards. And that one's one of my favorites just because it's so different and has that really beautiful, clean guitar intro. Um, yeah. That was the one I remember that being the first like single, the first one I heard on the radio. Mm-hmm. Oh Yeah. But I, I like the fact that that one starts like that, but it still becomes a thrash song. So, like, they really were um, going all out on this album, trying to show, hey, we still know how to write good metal songs. Um, sorry about that anger. Let's forget about that. <laughs> um, what about um, Cyanide? How do you feel about that one? Like, right in the middle of the album. Musically, I love it. Lyrically, I think it's one of the weakest. Um, hmm. uh, well, maybe some of the lyrics I think are some of the like I just um, don't care for some of the phrasing. I guess maybe that would be a better way of saying. But it's I mean I love the bass thing and everything. It's really cool. Is that one you like a lot? That is actually I don't. It might be my favorite one on the album. It's really hard to say because how we were talking about sequencing. Those first three all sound like right in your face, like these like in your face like riffs. And then it kind of, yeah, they get a little bit more melodic, I guess, in the middle. With like the day that never comes, like Unforgiven 3, and even like All Nightmare Long has a little bit of stuff. Like I guess in the middle, that chunk in the middle is like... I almost want to say Death Magnetic is my favorite album of Metallica's just for that middle uh, four song section. But then I'm like, I can't always say that's the best just because the albums, it's got to be like a complete uh, thing. But with Cyanide though, I guess where I was going with this is that is one that I didn't care about at all when the album came out, but it's funny when the movie, when the other movie came out, the through the never movie, 
mm-hmm. they they do that song live and there's like a big like riot and a battle and a fight right in the in the movie and that like song like is the one that they play for this big battle scene so it's always stood out to me then i'm like oh my god that song's like awesome and it's so like i don't know it just comes out and it like kicks you right in the face and i don't know <laughs> it's just amps me up but then how you're talking about the lyrics and stuff and how they don't aren't as good i had misheard the lyrics for so long because then even like the booklet how it's got the coffin cut out like half Mm -hmm. the lyrics are like cut out for like like cyanide (laughs) so i didn't know what some of the lyrics were so i think when it's like empty they say i thought it was like something about hey teenagers or something i thought it was something (laughs) like weird like that so i was always saying it wrong too and then like i finally looked up the lyrics and i'm like oh okay but like I don't know that song. Yeah, that song might be like if I had to do a top ten, that song would definitely make my top ten. And how James does those like like vocals, like the ooh, I love that where he's like ooh, he's got like a moment in there, <laughs> like right in the middle of that song. <laughs> I guess the only part I really dislike about it is just the cyanide living dead inside mm. just feels weird together. Um, I know oh, it's really? just a rhyme. To me, it does. Like, it rhymes. I mean, with the uh, two lines earlier, suicide, I've already died. But it just, I don't know. I just, it, I'm looking at it now, and I really don't mind it. But, oh, like, okay. just hearing it and not understanding half of it, because, honestly, I don't think I've ever yeah. understood a lot of the song, the lyrics, anyway. You're just the funeral I've been waiting for. I think that's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, that is. And like, maybe it's just James getting super emo or something, mm-hmm. like, looking at it. Uh, but uh, so maybe he is a teenager. He was uh, doing his inner teenager there. That could have been a new song, Inner Teenager. <laughs> God, they'd be called pedophiles if they did that at their age. Um, hey, there um, was that song by like My Chemical Romance around that time. Teenager scare the living beep out of me. Um, did you hear that, that one? I'm sure I did, but I don't uh, remember it. That's pretty funny. Um, God, I'm, I'm anybody. If you if you like this album, watch that documentary. I, I'm laughing in my head right now because I'm remembering some of his early lyrics to several of these songs. Um, and oh, uh, talking about the lyrics, though, that one. What is it? My apocalypse. Uh, total eclipse <laughs> into the grips. Suffer unto my apocalypse. <laughs> I kind of like yeah. some of it, but it just doesn't flow. Like, I don't know. Like, I think of things in terms of song lyrics, like so many syllables and beats, but that's just got too many. My apocalypse. I don't know. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I can't write songs, though, so I shouldn't be totally judging that. But Yeah, it's the only one I don't like the lyrics to, like yeah. uh, actively don't like the lyrics to. Um, but it's a fun song. Uh, it's got a good drum beat. Uh, Lars is definitely wearing himself out on it um, with all the double bass stuff and everything. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I kind of doing a 180 on the cyanide. Just it, it's just something about the phrasing that annoyed me um, a little. But like as a song, I like it fine. And on my most recent listens, and I can't remember if I got to it yet on the um, Quebec uh, magnetic um, Blu-ray I have. Um, cause I, I watched like, 
it was late one night. I watched like five songs on it and loved it, but then I had to take a break. And then now I've just gotten into my, you know, behind the scenes stuff. I've been watching not actual concert footage. Um, I like the cover of that Quebec magnetic where James is leaning back and then the big M looks like it's about to stab him in the face or the neck. Right. Right. <laughs> it's kind of a cool design. It really is. Um, the Judas Kiss. What What were your thoughts on that? Did you like that one originally? Uh, that's one, like another one I kind of didn't like, but I do kind of like it now because I ended up buying this album, even though I have it on CD. I've had it on CD for like 12 years. I got the vinyl recently, and I think the way the tracks go, it's like Cyanide, Unforgiven 3, and Judas uh, Kiss are on one side. So, like, I listened to that song a little bit more recently, and it's kind of grown on me. Okay. Uh, that one, um... The only know, one so- I think is weak is Suicide and Redemption. Like, the instrumental. I don't know. It doesn't really fit, like, for me. But... I don't mind it, but it's one I skip most of the time. Like, I listened to it all the way through recently, and I think it's got some really cool parts. But, um... If you're only going to give me ten songs, I would have rather had a, another song with lyrics. Um, yeah, yeah, I feel that, especially because I, oh man, I didn't go back and listen to it. But the Beyond Magnetic, they had four songs that they put out later, mm-hmm. and it's like, yeah, like you're saying, like you know, maybe they could have put one of those on there instead, right? But maybe since it's a return to form, and it does kind of the instant thought when I had with this album was. I was like, man, they picked up right after Injustice for All. And that had like the kind of instrumental kind of thing. So maybe they just thought, hey, if we're revisiting our original sound, we did instrumental. So let's put one on there. It makes sense. Like uh, a throwback, I guess. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, they all did have instrumentals up to that point. So, um, yeah, I think that could have been part of it. Uh, one thing I've always loved is... The fact that they use at least starting in the nineties, like they use at least seventy plus minutes on every album. Like they, you don't have a lot of blank space at the end of it. Like because uh, I think you can put seventy nine minutes and some change typically, or seventy eight minutes and some change on an album. Yeah, um, on a CD anyway. And um, yeah, Metallica almost always clocks in at seventy four, seventy eight minutes. Yeah, they definitely do reach the. Uh... Uh, limits because I remember I didn't know this at the time but you reminded me of this how I was buying CD singles and stuff there was one that I bought where it had um it had a fuel like demo uh version with different lyrics because it was called fuel for fire and it had I think it might have been the memory and remains uh a single and it had the fuel for fire on there and then it said outlaw torn unencumbered mix uh because I guess that was supposedly they had to trim off a little bit of that song so all of load would fit or something. And I guess they had a sticker on there that said 79 minutes and 59 seconds so that it did go the entire length. But the original Outlaw Torn would have uh, it would have been too long. Yeah, I heard something about that recently, but I've never – I don't think I've ever heard the unencumbered version. I wonder what misses, like what's not there. I haven't listened to it in a while either because I don't have the CD, but I've got those songs ripped on my like hard drive. Hmm. 
I'll YouTube it. I'm sure I can find it. I'm curious about that now. Um, I want to say it wasn't much different. They just kind of trimmed out some guitar parts just to kind of uh, make it fit. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm dropping the ball because I got all this information, but then I don't have the piece of the information that's that's like the necessary part. Like I'm like, oh, I've heard that song, but I don't remember what it sounds like. (laughs) (laughs) Um. So, like, when I first heard this album, I think because of the heaviness, and then they played it on the tour, my two favorites were actually Broken Beat and Scarred and All, my, and All Nightmare Long, because um, they were just so heavy and um, just had some really cool, fast moments in them, or I guess the whole things are fast. Um, but going back through, like, just this week or the last couple of weeks, whenever it's been, I started listening to it again. Um like I said, I, I don't dislike any of them, but I would say that Suicide and Redemption, I could do without, or, you know, it's definitely low on my instrumental list of theirs. Um, and lyrically, obviously, My Apocalypse, we already talked about, was kind of a weird one. But um, So how does this rank for you? Would you put it in your top five Metallica albums, or top three even? Not my top three. Um, I'm a... I'm stubborn with that. I <laughs> uh, actually, I'm probably pretty controversial with that. I'd probably um, just, and this is me going off of, I'm not saying what my favorite or, or sorry, I'm not saying what the best ones are. I'm saying my f- ones I listen to the most would be um, black load and um, reload probably. Um, but uh, yes, yeah, so I know it probably like fifth for me or sixth. Uh, Cause I would have to probably put master, um, above this probably, but I say that, but there's a couple tracks in master. I never really listened to. So, um, I don't know. See, yeah, it's hard for me too, because how I'm saying like that middle chunk of the four songs, the day that never comes all nightmare long cyanide unforgiven three. Those are like, I don't know. That is the stuff. Even if I don't listen to a full album, I'll just go to those uh, songs again and again. So, I almost want to say this would be in my top three favorites, but then if I would be ranking stuff maybe too like analytically, it would still be in my top five, but it would, it would be like, I don't know. It's definitely in the top for me. Okay. It just depends. Yeah. I think for me, um, I love that they were able to go back to thrash, but I, and I love thrash, I love the 90s stuff because of the melody they got. And I love the creativity of load and reload so much that, I don't know, those in these days go higher um, than a lot of stuff. So, like, I'm probably – actually, I know I'm very controversial on that. A lot of people hate load and reload. Um, Some even hate this one, which I don't understand at all. um, Because it's giving people – Yeah. I don't get it. it. Right. It's giving people what they want. Like, yes, um, I mean, because it gets back to – you know, guitar solos, it gets back to normal sounding drums and um, gets back to really fast thrash moments. And I'm like, it's, it's what you think of Metallica. Like even more than the black album, this is what you think of uh, with Metallica style. Yeah, really. That's um, what I was saying. It picks up like basically after injustice for all as if nothing, the mainstream Metallica never really happened. Right. I don't know. 
Yeah, I think some people just weren't able to come back after St. Anger. They just couldn't let yeah. go of that. Um, and then some people just want to hate everything. Like I, I've noticed that in a lot of people, they just want to hate. And if that's what they want to do, I guess they're going to do that either way. Hate, hate, um, hate. Kill, kill, kill. <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't. Yeah, like, that was one thing that I meant to tell you because I think I cut off my story. Uh, before the podcast recording, but sorry to go back to St. Anger now. But um, so uh, there's a friend of mine. He's a coworker. He works in marketing at Maui Gym, but he's also like on the board for the Peoria Symphony. And so like we'll talk about music, but we're from two almost different really spectrums of music uh, where like I'm more of like the rock and he's more like the classical stuff. So then when this S&M 2 is going to come out, I'm like, hey, this kind of bridges the gap. So I sent him the all within my hands uh, thing when they released that. And I'm like, hey, look, this is rock. And then he invited me over to his house and we had some drinks. And he's like, hey, tell me more about this. What was the genesis behind this S&M 2 thing? But the thing where I'm going with the story was it was so funny because I had only listened to the all within my hands from the um snm and then the acoustic one that you mentioned recently that mm-hmm. i hadn't went back and listened to the album in a uh, version in a while <laughs> so i forgot it ended with kill 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 so his one text to me was just kill 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 and i'm like thinking like i didn't respond to it but i was like what the hell is he talking about because <laughs> i don't remember that ending in the song so I just kind of ignored his text. And then, like, all I was doing today was I was listening to that song, the kill, kill, kill part kept going on. I'm like, oh, my God. It goes on for almost two minutes, yeah. like, at least a minute. And it's different voices, too. Like, it's, I mean, it's James, but it's, like, him doing the deeper kill, 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 kill. Not that hot, it goes, it, it, it does get, like, really off-key and everything uh, towards the end, too. It's almost like he's trying to channel his... Um, uh, kill them all voice and it's just like what is wrong with you like we got the point i don't think you need to say kill a hundred times yeah. um, <laughs> man you know i heard oh uh, this is really dark turn but i'm gonna say it anyway um that during the uh interrogation after 9-11 and everything they metallica got very upset to find out that some of their music was being used um as torture, like um, uh, to try to get people that were suspected links to terrorists. Um, I wonder if it was St. Anger. Like uh, that would have been a great album to torture with, I would think. Ooh, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt it was, but did you ever hear about that? I do kind of vaguely like remember hearing about that, but um, man, I forgot. Like, yeah, I couldn't tell you which one it was. I just, yeah. I think it should have just been purify on repeat. That would be um, the worst torture, I think. Obviously, listeners, I'm not condoning torture. I just that was just a random thought I had, and how horrible those <laughs> songs were. Um, God, um, that would be yeah. just just the drum thing. <laughs> yeah, especially if they're a musician. Well, I guess you don't have to be a musician, but like that's uh, maybe in a drummer has always been more in my face almost like a insult that he did that. Um, and I still don't understand how Bob Rock thought that was a good idea. Um, not to get off on that tangent, but like Bob Rock helped him on a, a slew of good hits, like good albums. So 
how that one went so far off saying anger, I don't understand. Yeah, I don't know. I was like, maybe Lars is like, hey, like this is an artistic statement. We're <laughs> we're angry, and this is our anger in music. I don't know. Yeah, I, I can't do, do his for... voice, but have you heard? Uh, have you heard Jim Brewer do Lars? I have. Yeah, he's like it... spot on. He is. He even gets like the swagger walk sometimes. Like he'll do that on stage. It's hilarious. Um, you know, I didn't remember that Lars was so much shorter than James until some of this footage I've been watching. Um, but it's kind of funny. Like, I love this album, but like, I just realized we're not talking nearly as much about this album as we did send anger. I know. I don't, I don't understand. Yeah. Cause we love this album. But like, I guess I'll go back to it real quick is I think the songs I like the best off it as modern me anyway, like modern day me is, um, the day that never comes and never given three. And now that they have both of those on S and M two, I'll probably go into those versions a lot just because it was so cool to hear that with an orchestra. Um, I kind of would have liked to have heard more of these with the orchestra, but I can kind of see why they didn't because um, they don't typically outside of uh, one, they don't do as many of the extremely aggressive ones. Excuse me. I almost feel kind of like, I don't know if you got this impression from it, but uh, broken, beat, and scarred. That sounds like something that they might have wrote for, like, I don't know. It would be a good sports montage, but I don't know if it's ever been used in that. But it seems like it would be good for, like, ESPN thing or something or a football promo. It's like, I don't know. It's got that kind of, like, show your scars and then you got like mm-hmm. people just getting clobbered or something or it would be good for like a wrestling promo with people doing suplexes or something <laughs> i don't it know because like, yeah yeah like i guess i always that was something when i was growing up as a kid that was like my dream i wanted to put together montages of clips and stuff and put music with it so maybe that's why i'm kind of thinking about it in those terms it makes sense um yeah i the only thing that annoyed me about that song was um, is they had to rephrase it to make it fit the what don't kill you make you more strong uh, instead of what makes you stronger. And that yeah. just always kind of felt <laughs> yeah. dumb lyrically. But at the same point, I understand they have to do that because uh, what don't kill you makes you stronger just doesn't sound quite as good. What don't kill um, you make you more strong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, like I like it. It sounds more metal, man. Yeah. Um But yeah, I, I think his voice was so much returned returned to form in this album and definitely they musically were back to classical, you know, classic Metallica kind of sound. So um definitely, I mean, obviously I don't think anybody's listened to this episode that hasn't listened to the album, but if you haven't, definitely check it out. Um, there'll obviously be snippets from the album on this episode. Um, but yeah, um, it's an incredible record. Um, I've listened to it a lot of times recently. Um, so I wish I had more coherent thoughts to throw at you, but I, for some reason don't, (laughs) um, I'm going to go back to my little quick notepad and see if there was anything last on it. I wanted to say, um, Oh, something doesn't, it's not saying anger or, or death magnetic related, but uh, the year and a half with Metallica I watched, um, 
James's father actually talked about briefly on that, that he made James and his sister learn how to play piano growing up. So I don't think James stuck to it long, but that actually was his first instrument oh, um, wow. before he got a guitar from a friend and, of course, gravitated to it. That's what I like about Unforgiven 3 is like how you said it doesn't say like you said on the other, uh, other episode. They don't say because you're Unforgiven 3 or whatever. <laughs> they don't say that in the lyrics. But I like right. how and even the music in the song doesn't really relate to the first two. But that piano part, yeah, they are playing the original kind of thing on the piano, right? Uh, I think so. Um, some variation of it at least. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's I, kind of the link to the old, uh, version and I kind of like it. Like, I don't know, like those three unforgiven one, two and three are like among my top songs too. Mm-hmm. It's just hard to, yeah. Like I feel like, yeah, we're not saying as much about this album as St. Anger, but at the same time, St. Anger, it uh, gives you enough crap to talk about, but, uh, uh, basically like death magnetic. I'm just like, Oh, I love it. I don't know. Right. I don't know why I love it. Just listen to it and you'll love it too. Right. <laughs> yeah. Unforgiven three. Um, I made that joke last episode just, uh, cause it would be funny, but I, I think lyrically it's good. And yeah, yeah, it's one of my favorites and cool thing in that footage I saw and it cut. So you couldn't really see the other side of the talk conversation, but apparently somebody was not as in love with it as James and James was just like this album, this song is going on the album. Like he's like, I don't know if it's cause I'm the, you know, guitarist and the singer. He's like, but these are, you know, unforgiven that whole trilogy He's like, these are my favorite, you know, some of my favorite songs, like some of the best songs I've written. It's, this is not a discussion or something like that. And then it cut hmm. away. So I was like, I kind of wanted to see if that was um, the producer or if that was the manager or who it was that was maybe saying differently. Oh, you um, don't see who he's talking to? You just get his part no, of it? Yeah, like, I, I think you could see the manager, Cliff Bernstein, was there. Um, but I, you didn't hear all the lead-up to that, I don't think. Um, but I thought it was kind of cool hearing him impassioned saying that. Because I'm like, yeah, I'm glad he did that. Because yeah. um, I don't know how strong... I, I don't know if it was like them saying that, like a, as a final decision, it shouldn't be, or if it was just a thought. What if this didn't make the mix? I don't really know, but um, and they all seemed into it as they were recording. So I really had to feel like it was either the manager or um, Rick Rubin or one of the engineers that wasn't as fond of it. Um, that's a one other thing that's weird about that footage. I mean, there's got to be a lot more footage because Rick Rubin's very, very rarely there. So maybe he didn't want to be. Um, videoed like you see way more of cliff bernstein the manager than you do (laughs) do the producer um that's one thing that yeah you you just kind of reminded me of is how it was like like getting hyped up for the album death magnetic i remember that's why i was hyped up for it because rick rubin was kind of on my radar from you know it seemed like oh he produced like chili pepper stuff he produced all these big albums from other artists and i Heard about him through like Danzig because he produced uh, the early stuff and had that American recordings label. And then there was the Johnny Cash stuff that he did. And I always wanted oh, to listen yeah. to that he at the time that. Uh, where he did the American recordings, like the stripped down stuff. Like So I knew who Rick Rubin was. So that's why I was more hyped about this album than it just being a Metallica album, I think, to go back. 
to try to figure out my headspace back then. And I think it was more of a Rick Rubin thing. But then listening to it, there is one thing that we haven't touched on that I still don't like about this album is it was part of that loudness wars where it Mm -hmm. is. Everything is peaked out. And how I was talking about radio station studio, if you would rip the song into MP3s and put them in one of those recording software things, you would see, or you just see the levels, how it's the green, yellow, and red. Everything is red and is like blown the heck out. And mm-hmm. it does, it kind of makes everything sound kind of distorted. And um, I don't know who's, whose call that was, but I don't know. It uh, wasn't a good call, but I mean, it's still a good album. There's still good songs, but it just, I don't know. It sounds too loud and not in a, Oh, I'm old and I don't listen to rock music. <laughs> no, I get it. I, I actually ran across a, a YouTube video of that today when I was looking at stuff and I'd never, if I noticed it when it came out, I didn't remember it. Um, it's, I guess it's kind of similar to what um, I would notice in certain concerts is what I call the wall of sound. Uh, whereas it just kind of morphs into something and you can't really tell what's going on. Like just the bass and the guitars and drums like I've been at certain venues that like overly do overly loud that I guess it's kind of the same thing. Um, it wouldn't be out through like, the whole shows, but definitely certain ones in certain concerts. Um, I don't think I experienced that with Metallica in any song, but definitely. Um, yeah. I've heard that about this album and came across that today, but um, it would be interesting if they did a remix of it or, or not remi- a remaster of it. Yeah. Yeah, like I think it would have to be like a remaster because I think that that's where it was. Whoever engineered it or something just, I don't know, blew everything out. It's mm-hmm. like, I don't know. Maybe maybe they thought, hey, like we need to prove that we're heavy, so let's just jack everything up. Could have been the band <laughs> doing it too. I don't know. Right. Makes me think of uh, Foo Fighters in their uh, back and forth documentary talking about uh, one of them made the comment about, well, obviously, you know, the drums are going to be mixed really high because, you know, um, Dave's a drummer, too. And, you know, him and Taylor, he and Taylor are closer than the rest of the band and him. Um, I need to watch course, that again. Yeah, um, that's one I'm very glad I own on DVD because of good old streaming sites, having things up for a little while and then taking them down. Um, that's one I dug out a little while back and it's in my stack of stuff to watch. Because I watched that one. I probably watched that one more than much as any other one. But obviously, I'm getting into the weeds, so I need to probably um, start wrapping up. Do you have any closing thoughts about Death Magnetic? I know we've kind of talked all around it. Um, if you ask me tomorrow, it might be my favorite Metallica album. If you ask me <laughs> like two days from now, it might be my like top three. It just varies. It, but I love it, so... Yeah. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, like I said, when you put me on the spot, that was where I put it within the part of the top five or six. But um, I mean, obviously, Sun Anger's the bottom, and I'm not, <laughs> I don't kill them all. So that's at the bottom as well, uh, just above Sun Anger. But um, yeah, I love so much of their stuff. It's hard to really rank it. Um, so, as I said at the beginning of the episode, I don't know if this will come out before the S&M episode or if it will come out after just depends on recording schedules. I'm still keeping the once a month schedule. Um, I'm trying to get more active on Twitter with my new name is Sunday underscore groove underscore. 
Um, and then uh, Instagram, I'm using a little bit more, and that's uh, sundaygroove.lillo, um, L-I-L-L-O. Um, I think at some point we're going to have um, a website for Lillo or Little Old, as the name of it being kind of a play on um, podcast network. But I do know that um, we're on Podbean, we're on um, Apple Podcast. I think pretty soon we'll be on uh, Spotify and some other ones, but um, definitely still getting started. There's, uh, oh crap, uh, 90 to nothing. Uh, nine, yeah, uh, with Russell and Sam talking about 90s movies. There's uh, DC for You with Todd and Russell. There's, um, what else is there? Um, that might be the all that's come out yet, but I do know there's going to be another music show with Todd talking to musicians, and there's going to be some other stuff that I don't think I know about, or at least it's not been announced, so I won't talk about. But yeah, um, definitely, you know, uh, follow us on social media. Uh, the Lilo podcast thing should be easy to find on Twitter. I don't think they have an Instagram account yet. Um, but yeah, listen to our show. Um, I used to be on uh, Place to Be Nation Pop, and actually, as of last week, all my episodes are still on there. I don't think they'll take them down. So if you're bored at any point, if you ever want to see, listen to the old stuff, that's where it is. This is my third episode on Lilo, but uh, I have 24. Four others on um, on pop. So, uh, Andy, do you have anything you want to promote or talk about, or do you want people to follow you on Instagram or anything? Um, you can find me on Instagram. I think it's just at Andy Halleen. If you'd like to like uh, troll me and like tell me why Death Magnetic isn't the best. Or actually let us know if you are a fan of St. Anger. Because, yeah, David wants to know if somebody's a fan of that one. Dude, right? I'll yes, I do. I, if I found somebody that actually liked it, I would be curious about having a conversation um, with them. I'm not necessarily for the podcast, but just for fun, just to see. Because I've never met anybody that liked that album. Um, but they must exist. Um, I mean, I think anything out there, no matter how niche or bizarre it is, people, there's, there's an audience. Um, yeah, because my so, friend Jim said something. He's probably listening. He told me, I think it was something like, every band is somebody's favorite band. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, or every album could be somebody's favorite album. You know, you don't know who's out there. Right. That's a good point. Um, so thanks again, Andy, for being back. Um, I don't know if next episode will be another Metallica one or... I'm not sure how deep I'm going with this. Um, I haven't booked an eighties guest yet, but I, um, at some point we'll return to other stuff as well. Um, it's not <laughs> Sunday Groove's not meant to just be a Metallica podcast, but it was just something I'm so passionate about that it just felt time because I'd kind of avoided it, even though I wanted to do it. Like I just talked about, I think up until this point, I, we briefly talked about S and M briefly talked about load or the reload and briefly talked about the black album. That's pretty much it. So it just was time to really dive deep into these albums and to this band. Um, so, um, thanks for too much just for one, right? You got to like blow it up. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, especially with me losing track of what I want to talk about too. And so, yeah, we've probably gone, uh, at least an hour and a half that will make it in the final cut. Um, that, um, you know, about just these two albums. So yeah, it's way too much for just one episode. Um, so 
uh, check these out. Like I said, if you like other topics and want to hear them, there's definitely those exist. And um, I'll be back with more. So, but yeah, please reach out on social media. Let me know what you think and maybe some ideas for future episodes. And uh, thanks as always. And I'll catch you down the road. Give me. Mm-hmm.